Welcome to another episode of Coffee and Conversations, where we look at the intersection of relationships, faith, and leadership. I am one of your co-hosts, Michael Clark. And I'm Christian Harden. We're so glad you joined us. All right, welcome back to another episode of Coffee and Conversations. We're glad to have you join us, and we are taking a little bit of a different rhythm this month. So, Christian, I don't know about you, but I'm ready. Uh, yeah, I think I'm ready. You you picked a, a doozy of a topic. Yeah, so this is something that I think that a lot of folks will relate to, understand. It's nothing that any of us um, can ever get away from. Um, it's something that is inevitable, I guess I should say. And uh, and that's, we're going to be talking about grief, mm. loss. Yeah. Um, how do you process? Are you avoiding it? Yeah. Um, these are all ways that we respond uh, when things happen that can be tragic, maybe expected, um, but happen in our lives that we can't always control. Right. And uh, so how do we process those things? And And sometimes this is... It is final loss. Like I think of loved ones um, right. that, that we have experienced that with, or our listeners have experienced that with, and um, that there's also things we grieve though that are just in daily life. Yeah, that are in seasons, that are in rhythms that that we can't get back, or that we grieve this happened right. or situation. Right. You think of as kids what grieve looks like. It's it's the goldfish dying or the hamster or. You know, and as you mature, the things you grieve also grow in, in like how substantial they are to your your life. Like a hamster yeah. and as a kid is everything. But as an adult you're like, I'll just go buy another one. That's right. <laughs> but I've tried that with my kids. Yeah. Swap them out. Sometimes it works, some sometimes it doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, our daughter's at the age where the fish died the first day. Day one. And we went and got a beta and he's still kicking. Man, and she thinks he just grew a lot, <laughs> <laughs> and it looks a different color. <laughs> yeah, well, he's actually orange. So An orange beta. It, it worked a, out. Unique. His name's Nemo. Oh, of course, um, that's awesome. And, and and that's really, um, you know, some of the things we want to talk about are because of the rhythm of seasons. Right now, uh, we're going into fall and winter, which is my favorite time of the year, ironically enough. <laughs> John Wood, who is the pastor at Cedar Springs, uh, whenever you would ask him uh, what his favorite season was, he would say winter uh, because it was so barren and it reminded him of how the Lord sees him. Hmm. Of just like without fluff of leaves or humidity, it's just like just clear. Hmm. Uh, and so it's like you have nothing to hide in winter or the trees have nothing to hide in winter. Yeah. So... Yeah, I always found that interesting. Now, I don't want to claim winter because of that. I claim it because of the community that you get to see and the and the time of fall and mm-hmm. winter and what it means for me. Uh, but yeah, I love this time of year. But yeah. it is it. But it is it is a grieving season when you think about it a lot. You have the sun; it's darker a, a lot shorter more. Shorter days, shorter yeah. days, and people get have to stay inside, bundle up, and all these other things that come with that. So yeah, yeah. it is a grieving season for sure. And so in that nature, we also, um, just as an organization and uh, Christian and I and, and our youth team especially, this is an anniversary we're coming yeah. up on uh, with the loss of one of our dearly loved students. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we honor her and her family, um, but we reflect and we look and see how has that process changed us and 
how has either engaging or not engaging with it changed us and how are we able to, because of whatever level we've engaged with it, support and love our families and students well. And uh, that's a little bit of what is happening right now yeah. um, as we're reflecting and thinking about those things. I know it's been heavy on your mind and heart. Right. Yeah. It feels like about two weeks ago and it all kind of came to head of like, oh, this is coming up. And I remember exactly where I was the night I got a phone call. I was in bed about to go to bed and uh, yeah, it was like a cap gun went off. And then from there, it, it kind of became the longest year I think I've had emotionally Uh not even one thing after another, but some major things that I've had to grieve, and that was kind of the starting one, which kind of was, none of them were easy to grieve, but that one was definitely the hardest one to to wrap my head around. Hmm. So I think for a lot of people, um, we can approach grief in, in a couple of different ways. We can avoid it, yeah. and that's not much different than getting stuck in it, right? Um, because the process isn't any healthier, and that's... Honestly, that's kind of my tendency. Yeah, is to avoid processing grief. Um, I, you know, I like to pride myself on I've never been hurt or I've never, you know, like I've got these walls up that are really high and they insulate my heart, um, and so I avoid grief. And this is something that someone had to challenge me on just this year um, was that I wasn't grieving even my mom's current condition. I hadn't grieved it in the, in the stages that it has come. And because of that, it had kept me from engaging with her. Yeah. It had kept me from continuing to have a good relationship and honestly honoring her in the way that I want to in her, in her last days, in her last years, because I don't know what those are. Yeah. And so, and they were exactly right. Uh, and so there were some things that I had to do if I wanted to have a better relationship in this context and in this season. Um, And so just to paint a real 30-second picture, and others I think will be able to relate to it, there's been two different bouts of cancer over a number of years. Uh, So when it reoccurred, and that that took away parts of my mom just from all the chemo. She changed her. There was a significant stroke in between those two uh, bouts with cancer um, that changed her. Um, and so there was a gradual loss and I thought, you know what? I have gradually lost my mom. I have gradually grieved her. I've handled that. But honestly, I got to this point in the road where now it's, you know, it's severe dementia, uh, that things are changing again for her that I was like, you know what? I I think this is probably one of the last stages of what she'll face. Uh, however long it may last, I'm just going to save all the grieving for the end, Mm. you know, for the final moment. And so it kept me from regularly contacting her because it wasn't the way I wanted to remember her. It wasn't the relationship I wanted to have right now. Um, It wasn't what I, you know, remember always cherishing. And so I wasn't able to honor her where she's at because I wasn't willing to grieve where she's at. Mm. I was kind of saving it for the final moment. And we, and we do that with a lot of, uh, you know, grandparents are the ones that I think of the most, or even great grandparents. You you don't want to see them in their final years because it's 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 too hard for us. But imagine the difficulty it is for them to be. And there's like it's like they've come, and maybe it's there's not difficulty there. Maybe it's like oh, I've lived a good life. I don't I don't I can't put myself in their shoes. Mm-hmm. But from my standpoint, it's like really hard, and I'm sure others can relate. It's really hard to see the people you love, you know, face aging. And, yeah. and what and what that and what that comes with um um and so for me it's yeah i, I definitely and i can relate to that stance for even granny 
our great my great grandmother, your grandmother, or uh, Tatal, my grand my dad's dad, of just like pulling away or just not making the time because it's hard to see the place that they could be in, and yeah. and then you're reminded, ah, I'm I'm not I don't know why I don't feel well when I'm, I leave their their presence because I don't know if it's like the last time you know yeah. all those things that come with it, and so it's like you said if you grieve in the midst of it um then then yeah it could totally change how that relationship would yeah. could look and so for me to re-engage with it um it was i had to i had to give it time yeah. and space and so i literally had to schedule time in my calendar to say i'm going to sit down and i'm actually going to give my, myself room to process emotionally and mentally yeah uh, and so that the gentleman I was meeting with that was encouraging me to do this, he said, okay, wh- where is that place for you? What's it going to look like? Mm-hmm. What, what do you need to have with you to best do that? And I thought it was my Bible and my journal and my pen. And it ended up actually not being as much my Bible, but more my journal and my pen. Yeah. Um, and it, I thought it was going to be by the park at the river. You know, I thought, I thought I knew the location. It ended up being in my office when I had some time mm-hmm. to give it a couple of hours. And I didn't know what was going to happen in that space when I created it. And I think for everyone, it's going to be a little bit different on how you get there. But you've got to be intentional on giving it that room, creating that space. And so I ended up just journaling and writing out the things that I love and cherish. It was was Hmm. memory-based. And it allowed me to think this is still the person that's still here. Yeah, This is still the person that... I love and have these memories with. Um, and so it did, it changed. I look at it, you know, it's one of, it's on my rule of life on calling family weekly. And that particularly is with my, my parents, with my mom, Yeah, um, that that's on there right now. And it has allowed me to start doing that. Yeah, It's allowed me to start having more conversations, more visits in the home. And, and I think there's other people that are listening right now and it's a, it's a relationship that's been severed, uh, that's still here. It's, it's, it, could be potentially someone that is aging, but it's something that there has been a loss that they really wish could be redeemed, mm-hmm. um, or they were just at a better place in processing and handling, even if it can't be changed. Right. So well, I don't know. I know that's happening for others. Yeah. Well, here's one for you, and 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 I'm interested for your take because you've moved around a lot more than I, I've always been in Knoxville. My whole life. So with that comes friends that close friends that come and go, uh, and they get really close, and then they ultimately move away. Uh, that's happened since right after college. Uh, from some of my closest friends going to Hawaii, Nashville is a really common place uh, for for others to move. And uh, most recently, uh, it was our coworker, <coughs> who's a dear friend. Um, and this was probably the, usually it's like, oh, we're moving in a month or two weeks. This was probably the longest one where I've had to like see the person for an extra like four months, five months, knowing that they're leaving at a specific date. And that was really hard um, for me to be in the process of like, it was kind of like a wave of like, uh, I'll just, I'll just handle it when it happens. I'm like, no, I can't do that. Cause then it's like, it makes everything weird. Um, and so it's like grieving in the process of like, oh, this friend is dear, but she's moving away, but then I'm just going to ignore it. And then, but no, I can't because then the relationship feels weird. So I'm grieving again. And, and, and so I don't know how you, <clears throat> with moving a bunch, how you, if you built relationships or for, for me, relationships are important. I'm a super like feeler. So it's like, 
I feel um, I get close to people, and, and I and I and I'm whether that's empathy or just relatability or or what. Um, yeah, that was like in this last year a big grief that I had to do, and it was kind of like the cherry on top of like friends moving away, because it's like it's happened for like eight years now that I've had to like really grieve these relationships. And this one is like, this one's like, ah, not only were you a friend, but you were also a great coworker. Mm-hmm. And so, um, and you, you know, kind of set the precedent of what this ministry could look like and help build something. And then it's like, whoom, gone as quick as she was here. Sure. So I know when I was younger, that was when a lot of my moving was happening. Yeah. And, and for that, it was more of a season of adventure. It was definitely a different approach. And I honestly didn't have the emotional maturity to understand some of the grieving that would happen with that. Um, so that probably didn't really happen well for me, but it was seasons where everyone was coming together for this purpose. And then it was kind of expected that you were going to leave. Sure. In fact, I felt like the people that stayed behind at Bible college or in certain places actually got stuck. Hmm. They got stuck in living a certain way and never taking what they had learned or grown in and actually applying it to real life. They got stuck in bubbles. Sure. Uh, so for us, we always, we always thought, you know what? Yeah. That, that moving away was kind of, it was the natural next step for those types of seasons and scenarios. Um, what's harder is that when you get a little bit older and you, feel a little more established and settled uh, in family, in relationships, in all those things, um, it begins to, it continues to happen. Yeah. Um, and you're like, oh man, I just, I thought it wouldn't be like this. Yeah. Um, I think the hardest situation that I probably have faced that in was when a, a church that we were a part of, the pastor felt called to um, take a full-time position that was three hours away and, and left. Um, and I think I didn't really as much grieve that as I did, oh gosh, now what? There's responsibility. Mm. Uh, and so we ended up stepping into that lead role and taking on the the onus, the, the bearing the responsibility uh, that he had been carrying and him, yeah. him and his family. And because uh, we loved and cared about him and we cared about where we were at. Uh, and so I probably didn't give it adequate space because yeah. I just stepped straight into, okay, we got, we got to just keep the keep ship going. floating. Keep yeah. Going. Um, and so that's that's tough, and I, because of that, you end up uh, not staying in touch. You end up losing um, some of the the friendship and the connection you had, yeah. um, and 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 so things change naturally. But yeah, grieving that in the moment, um, it's so vital. You you know, just save yeah. it for the end. You can't avoid it, right? I mean, it was. Uh, don't get me wrong. Every time a friend moves, it's it's still difficult. But when it's something like that long. It's like you really, I don't think you, it's healthy. Yeah. It's not healthy to wait to the very end because then it's like you're a complete, utter wreck and that person's yeah. like feeling awkward. And you, you know? and I are different and everyone yeah. that's listening right now is different and they've had different experiences that when people leave and uproot from their lives, it triggers or doesn't trigger things that have happened right, in the past. Right. For me, I have a lot of stability. My wife is the opposite sure. uh, from her childhood memories. And so moving around, it like it just brings all that back. Of, yeah. I can't remember if it's 16 or 19 different homes she had lived in before we were married. Yeah, I only remember one. I know there were two, and I've seen the other one, but I don't remember it. I was so young. Yeah. Uh, but I only remember one, and my parents still live there uh, going on 40 years now, yeah. the same house. And so that's 
that's very different. Mm-hmm. And so these things, I think, trigger things either that have happened in our uh, parent relationships, in our upbringing, in our home life, um, that it causes us to respond in ways that are self-preserving, mm-hmm. uh, that we're trying to avoid being hurt, that we think this is someone else is doing exactly what it's been done be, to me before. Yeah. Um, I should have known. I should have expected this. Trust comes into play, um, begins to erode that, the ability to trust again the next time. Uh, it, it just gets complicated depending on what you have experienced or not experienced. Yeah. Um, so avoiding it is not the answer. And so how do we engage with it in a healthy way? And I think that this is, uh, as I was talking to my 11-year-old this this week, kind of in a funny way about why would the shortest verse in the Bible, he asked me, be Jesus wept? Was it really necessary? Could they not have put it together with the next sentence is what he said? You know, like, And I'm like, I wonder why. As I was thinking about that leading into our discussion today, I was like, because it's important. Yeah. And I know uh, you believe that, that that verse is like him expressing empathy. Yeah. In, in the midst of grief. With the characters that are involved, with yeah. Mary and Martha, and, and it's over Lazarus. That, you know, and that was Jesus' friend. And so I think you would, there was a, a point of grief, but there's definitely um, yeah. an obvious empathy. Right. Because he could have, I mean, like we said off air, he knows the ending. And so it would have been just for easy to have been stone cold or jump right to the end. And But he gave space for grief. Isn't he, that crazy? Because in other stories, he doesn't do that. Yeah. She's just sleeping. Yeah. No, Jesus, she's dead. Like this yeah. little girl is dead. She's not just sleeping. No, she's just sleeping. sleeping. Get up. <laughs> Talithi Kumi. I'm like... Okay, so Jesus handled that one different. Yeah. But when it was Lazarus, he wept. Yeah. He waited. Yeah. And I'm not saying the people in the other scenario weren't weeping. I guarantee you they were. Oh, for sure. Her parents were distraught. Yeah. It was loud. It was it was like an inner city funeral. I guarantee it. We've we've seen it. And and those things hurt. And you enter those spaces and you either recreate the dynamic, but the beautiful thing is you said, he does know the end. Yeah. And that's where grieving without God is so hopeless. But because of him, we can grieve as ones with hope. Yeah. And the Bible talks about grieving without hope. Man, how dangerous and detrimental that can be. Right. And it's not to say pain is to be avoided. Yeah. Your world's just spin in the mud over and over and over. And you dig a giant rut that you can't get out of unless you get towed out. And how many people, and maybe even ourselves, can get stuck in grief, Yeah, can get stuck in what it leads to. Like, uh, you can be bitter about a situation the way it came about. You can be bitter about the way someone was taken um, from us. And, and that can be really hard because that's where you get stuck. Yeah. And I don't know if my last year, if I was, if I was stuck in, in grieving without hope as much as I was uh, avoiding it or out of... Well, potentially avoiding it just out of selfishness of like, I'm going to hold on to this because it's kind of the only few pieces I have to make sense. And so if I, if I grieve, you know, you don't know what, it, what typically, you know, what life looks like post grief. Like it's like you, you, you have clarity, you have hope, but then it's like, it's the after it's, you no longer think as much about it. You, yeah. you know, things move on, th- it, time heals, you know. We, all those cliches and, and we do, we, I think we were talking about the other day, like time heals all wounds, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, no one, no one doesn't. Um, but, uh, cause you have to be active 
in the process yeah. of grieving. And, and this last year, I necessarily there was there were some weeks that I probably was, and there were others where I was like, eh, "I'm just gonna hold on to it." And when well, it was something you could control, in a situation yeah. you couldn't, right? And, and I think these last these months nearing to October first, um, I finally moved into a place of willing to move into, you know, it's spiritual director, David Frills, I would always say is you got to move into the heaviness. You have to move into the hardest parts to, uh, to really deal with, uh, with whatever's hurting, affecting, struggling. It's like moving into the fog to be able to see, um, yeah. cause you can't see outs- when, when you're standing outside the fog, once you're in it though, you, you know, you can see things. Um, yeah. it's still not clear, but you can at least make out trees and leaves and, and places. Um, and so that's what I've had to do is, you know, just bite it, move into it, uh, and begin working through some of that, uh, of this last year. Cause it has been a long year. Yeah. The beauty is, is that the sun will come out and shine again. Yeah. And there may be days, there may be weeks, there may even be months where every time you wake up, it is foggy. Mm-hmm. But the sun will shine again. Yeah. And that's the hope. That's yeah. the hope that we that we hold on to is that the sun will shine on our life. Yeah. God will smile upon us and hasn't stopped even in the fog. Yeah. The sun has not stopped shining even in our fog, even in our yeah. grief. It's like what Morgan we said. We just can't see it. It's like what Morgan said the other day, another staff member, uh, about the Holy Spirit uh, doing these big grand things all over the world but he also cares about the little things going on inside of our own heart yeah Uh, and it's jesus was doing big grand things but he also cared about the hearts of mary martha yeah to weep with them and so as we don't avoid and we have hope in it uh, i certainly know that grief is not linear and this can be such a thing to set us free it's not it's not an event and then we move on and and we forget what we were grieving. It's it's not at all like that. It is a it is a cyclical process that continues to maybe dip back mm-hmm. and then move forward and then dip back. And it's those circles that continue um, to allow us to to journey it in reality. Yeah, because that's the way life comes and happens and emotions swell, um, and it allows us to to hold on to the the cherishable parts of it. And it is, I heard my pastor say it this last week, that it is sometimes those most difficult things that have happened in our life that can bring out the very best inside of us, mm. um, the best in our relationship with God, our best to be able to, to trust Him in really tough situations, our best, um, I, I know when things have happened in my family that were like, this is tra- this is hard, this is difficult. It was like, man, a, a different gear, yeah. you know, switched in, and um, that comes more natural for some, and very, very difficult and hard for others. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it means we all have to engage in the process yeah. to see that even those worst things can can lead to redemptive moments mm-hmm. and the yeah. best. But that's good. Man, we don't want people to avoid it. We want people to live healthy and whole. Yeah. Uh, so I think even our listeners today, hopefully, they're they're listening and they're saying, you know what, there there are some things that I've not given space to. Yeah. Uh, and they'll 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 give it that due diligence to process it. Right. So. Yeah. That's the encouragement is to, to, to process grief, uh, as it's happening in the moment, if you're able to. Yeah. And the sun will shine again. Okay. He is our hope. So until next time.